Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Austin and Jim. I thought we'd talk a little bit about Turkey today. They've gone through quite an evolution of their their government over the last 100 years. Some points very stable, some points, uh, <clears throat> you know, rocky. But Jim, back in the 1910s, Turkey was ruled by the Ottoman Empire, right? Basically the capital of Islam. What happened? Why did that go away for them? Well, it was corruption. Uh, it happens to everybody, you know, in the in Europe and in, in, in the Middle East. It's more endemic in the East. I mean, the Romans and even the Greeks complained about it. The Greeks were always pretty corrupt. Um, and uh, that was always a uh, how should I put it? A underlying cause of all sorts of disruptions with the Austin could probably get into because he's written books about it. But uh, uh, coming to the future, you know, Erdogan and his party finally got into con- into control through an election, fairly honest election, because people were fed up. And he said he's going to be Islamic. He's going to pivot away from the uh, Europe and towards the Middle East, which made the Arabs nervous, and um, that he was going to basically get the economy going. Well, 20 years later, it's all ashes, literally. Uh, he's got a number of recent scandals which are, are are shaking him more than anything else. I mean, he's had he's had he lost control of parliament uh, a few years back, and now he's about to be you know he's in danger of being voted out of office. The question is, will he allow a, a to be voted out of office or get back to the old Turkish tradition of uh, you know doing what he has to do to hang on to power? Now his current problems are mismanagement of the economy. We've mentioned that before. Austin's gone into it on his Turkey updates, and there'll be another one coming, you know, late next week. And um, it, that is that is an epic problem because the uh, the uh, the inflation rate is uh, is at record highs, uh, over 25 percent. The uh, unemployment rate is about the same. Uh, the uh, he's really taking heat literally because of the wildfires. I mean, they've had it's been very hot in Europe and. Uh, and Erdogan basically didn't spend the uh, the the forest the wildfire protection program. I mean, they had a paper and they were prepared, but the most embarrassing thing was they couldn't get any of their firefighting aircraft into the air because they were all out of service. And of course, the opposition, or you know, word of mouth, because there isn't much opposition in the media these days. Um, pointed out that with the cost of uh, Erdogan's executive aircraft, they could have built you know. Ten or more, uh, you know, fire protection, uh, firefighting aircraft, um, and uh, that didn't sit well with Mr. Erdogan. And uh, on top of that, he's 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 really reverting to old ways because he's accusing the Kurds of starting the fires, uh, which is apparently not true. But now the Kurds are are, are, are afraid of being, you know, Armenian, uh, you know, with the massacres and what have you. Uh, that is probably not going to happen because people remember Armenia. They're still trying to live that one down where, you know, after the as the empire was falling apart, 
uh, one of the reactions was, well, let's kill non, non-Turks. And the, the Armenians were a, uh, a handy example. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the current situation is that um, he has fewer and fewer allies. Uh, he, he basically can't handle the, uh, the economy. He keeps trying to devalue the lira. That's their, their, uh, their, their currency. And, uh, foreign economists say this is not going to work. I mean, there are fundamentals in the economy that he has not addressed. And now they're all coming back to, uh, you know, to, uh, set a fire to his feet. The wildfires are still out of control, uh, in Eastern, uh, Turkey. Um, the uh, the PKK, those are the separatist Kurds, the Turkish separatist Kurds, uh, recently killed uh, six uh, Turkish soldiers in northern Iraq, where uh, where the uh, Turks have been carrying out airstrikes and uh, and troop incursions, you know, for over a decade. That doesn't sit well with the Kurds or the Iraqis, but they they know better than they, they take take on Turkey in a war. Uh, but they don't forget, nor do other Arabs. I mean, the, the whole uh, it was, uh, the Libya thing, which we've covered um, both in our, our African coverage and in uh, in the in the Turkey updates, uh, is basically uh, a nightmare for Arabs because they see Erdogan literally trying to reestablish the Ottoman Empire. Now, the Ottoman Empire hung on to power so much because they declared themselves the, the new caliphate, and they basically eliminated any false caliphs by the, uh, by the emperor of the uh, uh, sultan of the Turks declaring that he was the caliph. Uh, and, of course, that didn't work out. And, of course, the Arabs feel that the, the, uh, the, the caliph has to be an Arab. Now, that's not official, but uh, in practice... Uh, the Arabs feel they are a little more Islamic than any other is Muslims. That's another problem. But the problem is, you know, his his turn towards away from the West, especially Israel, and towards the Arabs has caused him nothing but headaches. Now he's taking on NATO. Uh, they were they were bounced out of the uh, the F thirty five program. They were a major partner. They were going to they were going to produce a lot of components, which cost all the other partners. Uh, you know, uh, money, but uh, you know the other the other export customers for uh, the F-35 were financing, you know, Turkey bounce because they had against uh, the advice, as it were, of uh, the uh, NATO uh, bought a uh, Russian S-400 uh, anti-aircraft system, which uh, they they eventually backed off on. I mean, they bought it, they paid for it, but they haven't turned it on yet. So they're somehow trying to placate NATO. By volunteering to um, uh, to guard to expand their force in uh, in Afghanistan, which now consists of about 500 uh, people, uh, Turkish troops training uh, Afghan forces, uh, they recently offered to, uh, despite Taliban denouncing that uh, move, uh, saying they would do it anyway. And the Afghans are not as awed by the Turks as uh, the Arabs are because the uh, basically they haven't had to, they haven't been invaded by Turkey um, or they had to fight them a lot the uh, the problem with uh, with Afghanistan is that it brings them into uh, conflict with China which is trying to uh, make an arrangement with uh, uh, with the Taliban to uh, get Chinese investments in there that will not work for the very simple reason that the Taliban, 
is only a faction, a lot, the largest faction of the Taliban, which is backed by Pakistan. Uh, there are more and more Taliban factions which are literally uh, turning against the the mainstream Taliban, unlike you know in uh, in the nineties. Um, and uh, so you know the the Turks are you know are not winning many uh, winning many of their bets. For example, they try to. Uh, to uh, basically tear up the uh, Cyprus agreements, uh, which called the, which originally called for the unification of Cyprus, it was in '74 the Turks invaded when the uh, when the Cypriots uh, declared again breaking the law, breaking former agreements that it was a a, a Greek uh, country. Uh, the Turks took over about well about a third of it, I think it was, uh, the northern third of um, of the uh, of Cyprus. And turned it into a separate state, but the the rest of it, rest of Cyprus, basically kept playing by the rules, and uh, they are now recognized by Europe as a legitimate uh, government. They're, they, I think they're 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 a trading partner with Europe, and the Turks are trying to reverse that, which has brought them the condemnation of the UN and and Western Europe and everybody else. So Erdogan can't seem to do anything right. And uh, that's probably not going to end well with him unless he makes some dramatic changes and fast. Uh, let me uh, add a couple of things on there. Jim touched on the, I'll call this the radical Arab Sunnis in the in the uh, in the caliphate. There is a, an element of, of real ethnic uh, uh, superiority uh, on this, or ethnic supremacy when the uh, who the caliph. Uh, should be saying that he needs to be a really needs to be a, an Arab from the Hejaz, which is the Western Saudi Arabia, where uh, Mecca is is located. There's even the, uh, a, a regionalist bias uh, to it. The, but the uh, caliph, uh, the, the sultan became the caliph, and it was definitely a tool of uh, cultural, uh, sectarian, and political control. Uh, under the Sultan, but they were the Sunni Muslims. They were not. Uh, they're not the uh, quote-unquote Shia heretics, as the as the uh, radical Sunnis uh, call uh, Shias or the Iranians who are supposedly Shia. I just it mentioned that that it was a big uh, big deal for the uh, Turkish government for the Sultan to be able to be caliph and note. That Bin Laden, after 9/11, he had said it before, but he let, let out a video. I think it was in October of 2001, where he said, you know, it was uh, after 80 years or eight decades of of loss. He was he was referring to 1924 when uh, Kemal Ataturk got rid of the uh, caliphate completely and said it, it was an anachronism, and he called it exactly what it was. He says it was just a tool of oppression. And that was the way it had been used by uh, the uh, uh, by the Sultan. But that was one of editor, I mean, one of Bin Laden's gripes, uh, and that's one of the reasons that he particularly hated Mustafa Kemal editor. Uh, he was uh, he, as I said in uh, a column I wrote, uh, I want to say 2002 maybe, but also in a couple of talks I gave. Uh, uh, Bin Laden at the time he was still alive. Bin Laden. Uh, hates uh, Ataturk more than he does uh, George W. Bush, and, and uh, it was. I'm not saying that that's a joke, but it would get, at least get a few chuckles uh, because uh, the, 
a lot of people would be surprised by it, but uh, it, it, it was true. Dan, where where do you want to uh, where do you want to go now? Well, because I would we're like talking, to we're really talking about Turkey in the 20th century. So right, that's so a, that's a huge story, but it's very very interesting. We've Man. got these we've got these bookends, the Ottoman Empire at the beginning of the 20th century. And now we've got Erdogan at the end of it and going into the 21st century. Erdogan has been in power how long? Really, he came, he got elected in 2002. Uh, uh, I think that's right, Jim. And actually assumed power as prime minister in 2003. And then he's been steadily using the uh, parliamentary majority he had and also, you know, hook and crook, mostly uh, crook, to uh, solidify power. He made a powerful presidency. Uh, and uh, and got himself to be pre- uh, president. The uh, way that the, the constitutional setup, understand when uh, Ataturk became president, and Erdogan claims I'm just mimicking uh, Mustafa Kemal when I uh, when I'm doing this. Uh, uh, Ataturk had really supreme power. As a matter of fact, the, the British newspapers. Uh, the, uh, would refer to him as 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 the dictator is, uh, and some things were written in the late twenties and and uh, uh, early early thirties because he had near absolute power if he wanted to exercise it, and yet what he said he's doing uh, was doing is he says we're going to have a real parliament and real elections. Uh, this is this is going to be a you know, we're going to be a parliamentary. Democracy, and of course he's coming out of what in as late as really 1918, because the last last Sultan, and I think that he was uh, that was would be Mehmet the wait a minute Mehmet the sixth. No, no, Abdul. I forgot the other guy who was only in there for uh, a year and a half. Abdul Nejd the the the, uh, the second. Uh, there were two. Temporary sultans after uh, Mehmet the fifth fell, and Mehmet the fifth was the uh, became uh, sultan in uh, 1909, and he uh, abdicated uh, in 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 1918. Uh, the what I was going to say is that you're coming from a first of all a, an empire, not really a nation state, the Ottoman Empire. With Turkey and Turks as the center of, of, of this empire, but you had an absolute monarchy that was really pretty darn absolute, despite the decay, as Jim said, the corruption that was undermined it, but the decay uh, in, in their system, the decadence of their system, uh, and uh, that existed in, uh, until 1909 when you had. Uh, which was uh, the Young Turk Rebellion was really 1908, but what it was is a, really a group within the military that wanted uh, modernization, particularly in education, so that uh, the Ottoman Empire would not be so desperately behind the other great powers in Europe in weapons, uh, tactics, uh, support systems. Because they could, they could see we just we cannot keep up. And part of the way the quote unquote traditionalists, who are the Sultan's supporters, 
uh, all that the country should be run is that uh, if you can read the Koran, then you're literate. And uh, that wasn't cutting it. The traditional uh, Islamic education was uh, – Turkey in some cases was – uh, parts of Turkey are, are still "quote unquote" behind because because of this. But there uh, was a hundred, at least a hundred, hundred and fifty years behind uh, France, Great Britain, Germany in education of population and also technological uh, capability. Now, one other thing I'll add to this: there was a major. Oh, I'm forgetting the year it occurred. But it was uh, in the 1890s, 1894, there was uh, the Sultan uh, Hamid at the time, Abdul Hamid. <laughs> you want to talk about a, a genocide? Uh, he unleashed uh, his forces on Armenians living in Turkey, and he had an Islamist angle to it. But he, he killed at least 200,000 200, Armenians, and the Armenians at the time were – you know, they're Christians, so they're more educated, and they were a lot of the artisans and uh, technicians throughout what you know the center of the Ottoman Empire, which is what we you know Anatolia. That's uh, that's uh, Turkey minus Turkey and Thrace, where uh, Istanbul is. But uh, it, it was uh, it was absolutely horrible, and that was something that even. Through the, the some of the modernizers uh, were ab were absolutely appalled by what that had done. Not not just the the the, the genocide, but wait a second, we're trying to modernize this country, and, and we're supposedly a multi ethnic uh, empire. Look what happened, and I'm I'm pretty sure I got the date right, 1894 when that when when that occurred. We'll have the other Armenian genocide. That has some debate to it, but the one that still uh, is up for debate in the 21st century occurs during World War One in, in, in 1915. It, it, look, to pick, to pick this up, you've got 1908, modernizers, Young Turk Rebellion, and they impose uh, a, a, a constitutional era that is to, to uh, try to curb the, the, uh, the sultan. But understand that it's still an empire – uh, he's not truly curbed, and a couple of the senior uh, Young Turk uh, officers, Enver Pasha, as a, for one example, are uh, play it both ways. They're still for the Sultan. Uh, just so you know, cult <laughs> Kemal Ataturk, had a, he was still Mustafa Kemal. Ataturk means like father of Turks. He, he got that name after the establishing the republic. Uh, uh, he was more or less constantly under surveillance by the Sultan's secret police after about 1904, 1905, because he was known to um, despair at the continuing um, oppression. Uh, I'm throwing that word out there <laughs> at the continuing decadence uh, of the um, of the Sultan and the, and the Turkish government. But uh, everything is already kind of sort of falling apart uh, in European Turkey because up until 1914 and, well, actually the 
1912-1913, the First and Second Balkan Wars, Turkey has a substantial pre- presence in uh, in the Balkans, and they lose the, 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 all of that except for the Thrace, the Turkish Thrace, which pretty much is uh, the way uh, uh, geographically uh, it, it exists uh, today. That's the part of Turkey where Istanbul is on the north uh, west bank of, of the uh, of the Bosporus. But that was a huge defeat for uh, so, uh, psychologically for the empire. And then they get drawn into uh, again drawn in. There were elements of the uh, young Turk leadership that had actually <clears throat> gotten political power in uh, 1914, including Enver Pasha, uh, they decide uh, that they need to be on the side of their friends, the Germans. And uh, they go into the war, and they immediately start losing big. Uh, they Huge, huge losses. The battle that makes a difference politically and shapes really uh, all the way to the 21st century is Gallipoli, which is uh, – Occurs in what April 1915, uh, the uh, British uh, Commonwealth invasion, because the uh, real strike force of it was the Australian division, which was supposed to uh, break o- over the uh, uh, mountain crests. They're, they're not mountains, but they're very rugged uh, hills on the Gallipoli Peninsula, and come back down uh, on the and, and, and knock out a, a couple of heavy forts. That had blocked the uh, uh, attempted uh, penetration by the Royal Navy and and uh, uh, the, the preceded uh, the Gallipoli amphibious invasion by uh, uh, five six weeks, and the, the uh, naval attack was a disaster because of the use of minefields that uh, they they just they, they couldn't clear them, so they have to come back with a or they decide to come back with an amphibious invasion. <clears throat> take the forts and then clear it, and then the the idea is that uh, the navy will flow through and then go up and put its big guns right on Constantinople, and uh, Turkey will, will surrender. Didn't happen, and basic reason the Australians didn't break through is they ran into one of the regiments of uh, uh, Mustafa Kemal's uh, 19th Division. He had lead, it was personally leading it. And they it gets into an absolutely horrible fight uh, right uh, below the, the crest of one of the of, of one of these rugged hills in, uh, above the uh, Gallipoli beaches and still on the Aegean side. Uh, he, that's where he makes his name. He ends up <clears throat> as a lieutenant colonel, basically commanding what is a uh, a corps. He was lieutenant colonel commanding a, uh, a division, but understand the their war college uh, graduates, the, the professional uh, elite uh, uh, officers. They, they would end up doing that. You'd have you could have a colonel uh, commanding a, a corps, and even though he didn't have the rank of being a, a general, a, a pasha, he would he still have the authority. So he ends up doing that really in the sector that faces the Anzacs. And it's, you know, there are a couple of other sectors that are attempted breakouts, doesn't happen. 
and uh, Ataturk, uh, Ataturk's the he- uh, the hero. Now, all the other intrigue goes on, uh, that, and finally, uh, in the in 1918, uh, by the way, Ataturk is now in the in uh, Palestine, and uh, the British uh, attack and Commonwealth attack in. 1918 shatters all the Turkish forces. He's the only officer to, to manage to put together a, a rear guard operation, and more or less, he is uh, his forces uh, halt where Turkey's uh, modern southern border is vis-a-vis Syria. By this time, he's a brigadier general, except he is an army. And effectively, an army group commander in charge of all of the front that runs now from uh, Azerbaijan, uh, Armenia, all the way to the Mediterranean coast. Even though the Turks didn't have a lot of forces in uh, in there, but that's and that's when the uh, ceasefire kicks in. So he's he's really the only Ottoman general that comes out of of World War One with any kind. Uh, of, uh, of of reputation, and that is the card that gives him the ability, plus having some very, very able friends. Uh, two or three of them were, uh, had been senior to him, but they were friends that he had made all the way from the military high school through the military college on, on to the war college uh, of, of extremely able modernizers. Uh, one, a couple of them were quite classic sophisticates, uh, 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 polylingual, uh, well experienced. One of them had been the the, uh, the chief uh, of uh, military representative in, in Paris uh, for several years. So he's got uh, savvy international political talent uh, uh, around him, and he sets up a resistance in. Eastern Turkey, that ultimately not not only topples and removes the sultan, but changes the uh, <coughs> the portion of the Treaty of Versailles <coughs> that basically carved up uh, uh, not the carving up of the Ottoman Empire's Arab lands, but uh, on Turkey. He insists that Turkey uh, be made. Uh, uh, be made uh, whole. It's, it's an attack on the Treaty of Sevres, and there's a new uh, a, a new agreement that he manages to fashion uh, diplomatically in in 1923. <clears throat> I'm leaving out, of course, the war between the Greeks and uh, the Greco-Turk War at the beginning of the 1920s, which uh, he manages. The Greek Greek armies landed on the uh, Aegean coast uh, with the uh, uh, goal of uh, taking Smyrna and and what had been uh, the uh, uh, Ionian Greece uh, uh, and 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 into uh, and making part of uh, contemporary Greece they they lost so there, that brings us up what does he establish <clears throat> he immediately takes his uniform off and says we're going to be a democracy. We're going to have parliamentary elections, and he goes around telling teachers, many of them women, "You're you're their, our new troops because we need education terribly." 
also within that uh, time frame, un- understand how radical he was. He emancipates uh, Turkish women, Muslim women. They have the vote. And he'd been saying one of the things that got him in trouble with the uh, sultan was he says, we cannot treat our mothers and sisters, uh, our mothers and sisters like chattel. And that's that's what he thought. And uh, there's absolute definite proof that he was saying that when he was uh, in uh, in college and uh, in uniform. But he really had a uh, Western European uh, uh, model in mind and 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 goals. Uh, he drank way too much. Uh, I think it was the, his alcoholism that, that that killed him. He died in 1938, and uh, one of his uh, his chief subordinate uh, is Medinanu, uh becomes president, and it's it is a Kemalist government without Kemal up until 1950, when a uh, another coalition, uh, an opposition coalition. Uh, succeeds in winning uh winning the presidency and in 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 that group are a couple of names that keep, will keep cropping up uh it's um uh man by the name of Bayer and then Adnan Menderes they their government as as Inanu uh releases power uh Agrees to participate in the Korean War, which is a huge, huge move, and it ultimately leads uh, to uh, 1952 to Turkey joining NATO. Uh, they were extremely concerned about about the Russians, so it was also seen as uh, fulfilling part of uh, Ataturk's uh, vision of uh, looking to the West and, and becoming uh, part of the West. But then there's a <clears throat> really a reaction against uh, uh, Menderes, and there's a, a coup that occurs in 1960, you know, and uh, ultimately uh, it's uh, here's a great wrong. Menderes is blamed. There, there was this corruption in the government. There's no doubt about that. But Menderes gets blamed for a lot of things he didn't cause, and he's executed. That's still a huge issue in contemporary Turkey, and it's one that uh, Erdogan, uh, especially when in the 1990s, when he was uh, making a name for himself, would refer to. 1980, uh, another uh, major uh, coup d'etat that uh, is uh, uh, is in power, the military is in power for a couple of years, and then it withdraws, establishes a constitution. But it was uh, really more ignored than uh, enforced. And so you get to 2002 when uh, Erdogan's uh, AKP party, uh, Justice and Development Party, which is a so-called moderate Muslim, and for the most part, they have, even though they've got some pretty radicals, uh, have, have, have been that. I know I get tons of disagreement uh, from from people saying it but you have to look at it in comparison and 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 realize that a lot of these people uh, you know, that uh, are uh, uh, are are committed to uh, a, a democratic state 
he gets elected. It comes to power in 2003, but as I said before, on I think in one of these uh, our strategy talks, he's been basically uh, solidifying power in an uh, absolute executive, uh, single executive role, in this case the president, and has his uh, he's very, very jealous of Mustafa Kemal Ataturk. So he wants to be the uh, the greatest greatest Turkish leader since uh, the fall of the uh, uh, Ottoman uh, Ottoman Sultanate. As Jim and, and Austin, he's got problems. Tons yeah, problems. Austin and Jim Erdogan has done this by or tried to gr- uh, make his power greater by becoming more islamic right uh well, well, well two two reasons two things he's done one he's consolidated power in the presidency before he came along power was uh it was it was a typical uh parliamentary type government <coughs> where the uh, the prime minister was selected by you know whichever party could get the majority of uh, of members to agree to it, and the prime minister could be removed uh, if if he if they uh, if he if he uh, had, there was a vote where his part his party lost. Um, Erdogan changed that. There were direct elections for the president, and the president it's more like the American system where the president had an enormous amount of power, uh, but had to be careful not to overreach. Uh, which is one reason why a lot of people don't like the American system. Um, the uh, the problem with the uh, the Turkish government, as Austin points out, that there were there were frequently uh, military coups uh, when the military, which is the most Kemalist of of of, of Kemalist institutions in the uh, in the uh, in the Turkish uh, politic, uh, real decided that the current elected government was not you know. Uh, uh, towing the party line, as it were, that was very unpopular. This whole idea of of uh, of, um, of coups, and this was a this was always a bone of contention with Europe. I mean, uh, uh, one thing Erdogan did was he says, "I right, forget about trying to join the European Union. Uh, they don't want us. They don't like us." I mean, that wasn't the point. The point was that Turkey had an enormous amount of corruption. They did clean that up. They're not. Less corrupt than Greece, which was so corrupted, they had they were they were basically accused of securities fraud when when the uh, when the crunch came. I think it was in 2008 uh, that they had basically made illegal loans by basically lying. Of course, they used an American firm for that, um, and uh, and the Turks were the uh, Greeks were put under strict. Uh, you know, fiscal regulation if they wanted to stay in the EU, and then that got them to sort of clean up their act, which they have done, but it's been torturous. I mean, they had very high unemployment, uh, but, you know, the uh, Greeks basically uh, put up with it because it was the only way they were going to, you know, remain any any connection. <laughs> uh, they were also in NATO, uh, but they were basically losing everything. Their only shield, as it were, against the uh, potential war with Turkey. Remember, ever since NATO was created, one thing that didn't change was the fortified border between Greece and Turkey and Thrace. Because, you know, the Greeks always considered the uh, Turks a threat, which they weren't really. And the Greeks always considered the Turks a threat, which they really were. 
um, of course, now the Tur- the Greeks are on the ascendancy because the Tur- the, uh, the 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 Turks have basically uh, they broken a law too much, a law too far. Uh, when they uh, negotiated a deal with one of the government factions, the two government factions in Libya, the one that was losing, they had the had support of few, fewest of the Libyans because they supported uh, Islamic radicals and some Islamic, uh, you know, terrorists. But basically, they they allowed uh, these independent militias uh, to function, and these guys were often just you know outlaw groups, um, and uh, the Turks naturally came in and supported uh, the the government of national accord um and uh and the uh you know the un and and and, and europe declared that 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 uh, treaty as it were which gave them uh rights to a lot of uh offshore waters that that really belonged to the the greeks because the uh, turks wanted to uh, drill for oil and natural gas which is probably in there, but it's going to be hard to do if you have to do it under wartime conditions. Uh, the Turks are, have started rattling the saber towards Greece, but it was it was sort of a hollow rattle <laughs> because the Greeks had the full support and open support of powerful uh, NATO members, including the United States, Italy, France, etc. And um, so the the Turks have gotten themselves into a quagmire uh, in Libya because they made it worse. By they, they couldn't afford to lose too many Turkish troops in these overseas wars, I and mean, that's very unpopular with the the Turkish population because they have conscription there, and uh, and most voters don't want don't want to risk their their sons' lives in some damn fool you know foreign war. Uh, so the uh, Erdogan went and spent a lot of money he didn't really have to hire uh, Syrian uh, mercenaries. Basically, Syrians who might have been a threat to him says, "Here, I'll pay you more than you can make it in Syria to go to Libya." And uh, they fought a few battles. They didn't take too many casualties, um, but eventually he had to cut back on that because he simply didn't have the money. Uh, and of course, now he's got uh, all of NATO against him. Uh, he lost out, you know, on the F-35. He got booted out of that or suspended, as it were, uh, program. And, uh, of course, now he's basically alienating his new ally, Russia, which was really an unnatural you know, alliance. Because they've been enemies. They, are, they are an ally. Yeah. I'm sorry. Now he's, now he's trading with the Ukraine. I mean, military exchanges. He's by, for example, the Russians or the um, the Turks can't buy certain types of military equipment because they were put under sanctions uh, for a lot of their, their misbehavior. You know, in the last uh, 10 years. Uh, but so Ukraine, which uh, which cut off supplies of uh, of uh, naval uh, gas turbines, are only two major suppliers of that stuff, the United States and Ukraine, which during the Soviet times was they the Soviets concentrated a lot of their their uh, their, their how should I put it, a key military production in Ukraine simply because the Ukrainians were a well-educated uh, population, et cetera, et cetera, overlooking the fact that the, Turks, the Ukrainians resented mightily having been under the, the czarist and then the Soviet thumb for centuries. And the minute they got a chance, when the Soviet Union fell apart, they said, we're independent, boy, we'd like to join NATO. Uh, that's, what, that's one of the excuses the Russians gave for declaring war, in effect, on uh, Ukraine in 2014, uh, when they seized uh, uh, Crimea and uh, uh, tried to grab two provinces in eastern Ukraine, the Donbass, uh, they only got half of them. 
Uh, and now they got a they got a stalemate there, and they can't afford to do anything more. I mean, they threaten war, but we've ran pieces on that showing that the, the you know for the first time in history, the peacetime Russian army is smaller than the peacetime American army. I mean, and and they're stretched pretty thin, and they still depend on conscription, which they've been trying to eliminate, but they can't afford to. Uh, and of course, when they do go, uh, you know, hiring contact troops as they call them, volunteers. They find out that uh, they got to raise the the the, uh, the the pay a high higher than they can afford, uh, so they're stuck with a lot of uh, how should I put it unhappy conscripts, um, and uh, they really don't have that many brigades. They did switch over like the Americans did uh, to a brigade system from a division system, and they don't have uh, they got 20 brigades theoretically, but they only got a handful of them that are combat ready. The rest of them are basically just, you know, conscripts doing, uh, I think it's uh, 18 or 24-month service or 30, whatever, Um, uh, uh, because it's a very populist move to reduce the period of conscription. Um, And these guys they get, you know, by the time they get trained up to be useful, uh, you know, half of them disappear because, uh, you know, their their conscript service is over and, and a new uh, you know, a uh, bunch of civilians comes in. And so what the Russians did was they concentrated their their career professionals in a few brigades, special operations, airborne, you know, what have it. And uh, these are the only ones they can really depend upon uh, to to launch a full-blown invasion of uh, Ukraine. Now, they know from their own historical experience, and they saw this in 2014, as uh, corrupt and disorganized as Ukraine was, the minute the Russians using a proxy force, technically, you know, uh, uh, Russian ethnic Russian Ukrainians uh, volunteering, being paid, as it were, uh, to become, you know, uh, separatists, uh, they couldn't get enough of those anymore. And now it's costing them a couple of billion dollars a year to subsidize their half of the uh, Donbass. And more and more, they have to put... Uh, um, Russian troops in there, you know, uh, wearing, you know, unmarked uniforms who are sometimes literally wearing the, well, they're all unmarked uniforms in, in, uh, in Eastern Ukraine. Um, and they, they get, they, they, they conjure up some uh, scary, you know, he- headlines in the Western media when they concentrate their the brigades on the, um, Ukrainian border. But the fact of the matter is, as we pointed out, most of those brigades are half conscript and have no interest in invading Ukraine and getting themselves kid, killed. And neither do the parents and the parents of all you know, current or, or potential conscripts. Uh, so the Russians are really in a bind. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and the Turks took advantage of it by selling them uh, their, their TB2 uh, predator-like uh, UAVs, which they armed and have combat experience. They've used them successfully in Libya, in Syria, and a few other places in, our, in, our, in Azerbaijan. And uh, now the, the Ukrainians haven't actually used the weapons on them yet. They, they, they basically they got the first ones for the ground forces early in, in this year, and they just received in, I guess it was July, uh, the first ones for the Ukrainian Navy. Uh, the Ukrainians are, are, 
are acting like the adult in the room, and they're just using them for surveillance, which they need, especially since the the Russians are trying to uh, again violate another 2003 treaty, which which basically uh, made the Sea of Azov, that's a you know an offshoot as it were of the Black Sea uh, uh, of eastern Ukraine and Crimea. Uh, the Russians built a bridge, the Kerch Straits Bridge, finally at great expense, and said, well, this means that we have control of uh, the Sea of Azov. They had to back off on that. Uh, NATO now regularly holds uh, joint naval exercises with their warships and uh, Ukrainian warships. The uh, the Turks are building uh, warships for the Ukraine in addition to selling them uh, the, uh, you know, the armed um, uh, predators, as it were, uh, the uh, the Ukrainians in, in return in turn have not only supplied the Turks with those gas turbine engines, uh, but they are also sold them some helicopter engines, which they they couldn't get from the West anymore because of sanctions for their 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 uh, their license built uh, Italian A129 uh, gunships, about half the size of the uh, of the uh, the Apache. But anyway. Uh, they're also selling in uh, engines for their new tank. They designed a, a, a locally made tank with the help from South Korea and what have you. Uh, they got certain components that they couldn't get from Europe or even South Korea uh, to, to continue building this tank. And if they didn't have Ukraine supplying the engines, uh, they'd have nothing. They'd have a great-looking tank that can't move. So they have basically ticked off Russians uh, big time. In fact, some Russians were killed by these uh, armed uh, UAVs in Libya, not many, but just enough to show the Russians that the Turks aren't afraid to uh, to uh, go go old school on the Russians if they have to. Jim, there may have been some Russian advisors killed in in uh, Armenia and they're as using using uh, by 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 Turk uh, Turk uh, uh, drones. Uh, that's just uh, that's, that's well. The, Rus- the Russians yeah. Russians never even mentioned that. They want to play that down. <laughs> well, because, of course because, they don't want to. I, I know. I'm sorry. I, I had someone to, to make a, a point on this. It's uh, the uh, the Turks aren't Russian. I started laughing when Jim brought up the alliance. The Turks are not Russian allies, and the Russians, I suspect, still hate. Uh, uh, still hate the Turks, but it, it, the way when when Jim said Erdogan did this and Erdogan did that, it sounds like you're personalizing it, uh, and you know, and saying sometimes you know Turkey did this, Turkey did that. In this case, this is an example where you can personalize it because Erdogan has assimilated so much policy uh, power, and he goes around making decisions. That, uh, that in the retrospect appear, uh, appear to be very impulsive and rash. And look at the list that Jim, uh, Jim went through. How many of them have been successes? You might say getting involved in Ukraine has been a success, but it's been economic and diplomatic. It's the other places where he actually gets uh, uh, Turks, uh, Turkish soldiers involved or even Turk, uh, Turkish mercenaries, the None of them have been successful, with the exception of the Azerbaijan-Armenian War, but that was mostly fought by the uh, Azeris themselves with Turkish support. And he is remarkably unsuccessful, particularly when he comes up against uh, 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 NATO partners. uh, France is 
uh, very much at odds uh, with Erdogan. That's the way they try to portray it. And I think that is a good move on the part of uh, uh, of France. The, for the Greeks, uh, we're you know fighting the Turks, but the French, it's Erdogan. Why that's doubly good? That's not France is the only uh, NATO country that focuses it that way. Is that Erdogan's got a lot of uh, opposition within Turkey, both from the CHP, the Republican People's Party, which is the old Kemalist Party. And uh, it made enemies of, of some of his, at one time, uh, Kurd, uh, uh, non-secessionist Kurds, but they're Kurd, Kurd party allies because Erdogan gave the impression that he was going to give uh, Kurds a better break than they got. Uh, he, uh, he hasn't. The, the Turkish opposition now uh, probably has the votes to beat him in the next election. The question is, is do they have the ability to stop Erdogan from cheating now, given his control over uh, uh, internal security uh, forces and influence in uh, in the courts, and also the way that he jails critical journalists left and right. The last time I saw this figure is that Turkey, we don't know what China's got. We really don't know what the Russians have got. But Turkey has more journalists in jail now than any other nation, at least one where we have the clarity of knowing how many are in jail. That's to the Turks' credit and discredit simultaneously. My guess is as Russia and China have, have uh, uh, far more, but the uh, Erdogan, you you can't criticize him. He has thin, very thin skin. As a matter of fact, he tried to get Germany to arrest a German comedian who mocked him. And uh, I forget when it was, 2012, 2013. Uh, he, wanted, he wanted the man arrested because uh, it, it was uh, an outrageous slander on, on, on him and his character. No, it wasn't. It was just satire. But uh, that's, that's who you're dealing well, with. Well, it's ironic that failed foreign wars are what uh, eliminated the uh, the Ottoman Empire and the Sultanate. And the same things happened to what a lot of Turks uh, say quietly is, is Sultan uh, Recep. That's his first name. Rajiv. Uh, the way to do it. Rajiv Tayyip Erdogan. That's Sultan yeah. Rajiv. That's what they call him. Yeah. And uh, and I think I think Erdogan's aware of this, too. And there's uh, once you set these wheels in motion, it's hard to stop them and go in reverse. Well, that's, well, that's a great place for us. They're going in reverse. Yeah, we're we're out of time, and that's a great place to end. And uh, I know we'll be revisiting Turkey later, so we'll see you. Bye. Bye, guys. Take care.